I'm just going to be on Facebook for the rest of this. You guys keep talking. Why are you on Facebook? It's better than you. Older than me. (laughs) Things is making Baz happy this week. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, like, what's your primary social media thing? Um, For actually posting stuff to or somehow interacting with? uh, more, More and more recently, it's been Twitter. I think um, I don't really post much on Facebook. Facebook is good for groups and stuff like that. Um, and that's what I tend to have it for and keep it around for. But usually it's photos of me maybe go up there. But I tend to very rarely post. Um, so the, yeah, so the, I, t- I, I think the stuff I tend to post, people will follow me on Twitter for that and stuff maybe. I don't know. What about you, Dave? Nothing, you Facebook really. Or? No, I haven't been on Facebook in five years, six years. Um, I still have the account, like, but that's that's it. I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter. I have Snapchat. Eh, I don't really use any of them. Um, <laughs> if I do, it's for reading. Like, I'm not like look at my Twitter. It's pretty much dead. Like, um, you know, I have lots of group chats and stuff like that and that's about it like your own private social network that's it yeah cool you want anything you're on facebook anyway yeah i'm trying to sort of finally wean myself off that um and twitter eh. i think twitter's kind of a necessary evil as opposed to a social network like at this point yeah I don't know. I, I find all of these sort of unsatisfactory for various reasons. Um, I try and write more, I guess. Yeah. So you actually uh, sent me a link earlier, sent us a link earlier about the either Kickstarter or Indiegogo for that microblog thing. Yeah. And it, this guy's kind of interesting to us because he's a longtime Mac developer. Manton Reese is his name. Um, I can't remember what Mac stuff he's done, but he's definitely done some cool things. So anyway, he's had this project, uh, micro.blog. Um, and basically it's like Twitter, but self-hosted and based on RSS. Um, so he's been, he quit Twitter a few years ago and he's been kind of working on this ever since. Um, and I really like it and I hope it succeeds. So you can either pay for micro.blog can host your microblog, your, your Twitter sort of replacement, um, or you can host it yourself and just use this to kind of, uh, do the aggregation bit of it. So yeah, it looks really cool. I really hope it succeeds. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, sorry, go on. No, I just thought it was a very interesting take on how do you keep it going you know when everything else is shutting down how do you keep some one thing alive and how do you keep your content alive yeah and it seems Um, that it handles replies and stuff like that as well across um you know conversations and stuff like that so it looks very well thought out and uh i just have to see it in in uh in real life but the thing i like about it is that you can you know essentially just integrate it you know from blogs like you know that's that's it it's just it's mm -hmm. just rss yeah, and so I think what he's trying to suggest is, like, still use Twitter, but just don't have Twitter as the source of your content. Like, have yeah. it auto-post to Twitter or whatever. Keep stuff in your own hands, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's it, the primary primary source. Because I think the history of just about every social network, with the possible exception of Usenet, is that they go through this cycle and... At the end of the cycle, often what happens is the the company who owns the social network tries to commercialize it too much and makes the user experience worse. And then people migrate over to another platform. Whereas if this is kind of distributed and self-hosted, it looks like it might be a bit more resilient and less prone to awfulness. Yeah. And his Kickstarter isn't actually to help him create this uh, social media kind of it kind of is. He's selling an ebook, and I guess um, 
early access to the platform so you can get good usernames. Um, I think that's what the Kickstarter is. So, Oh, okay. That's like when I joined Allo to get a good username very early on. What you get? Well, just like the username I wanted, but like okay. I end up I end up joining all these things. You've been on a low? It's like a very minimal... That's um, Google's one. Is it, lo- is it a low? Oh my God. No, it was... Was that Google? A low and Duo, wasn't it? Oh no, this is... um, This is another <laughs> social media one. A, a, a co. Um, Again, one of these things that popped up and everyone was talking about it for a while. That Crap. domain is for sale, so... Uh, oh, E-L-L-O. Hello? E-L-L-O. Oh, E-L-L-O. Sorry, <laughs> I thought it was... Yeah, so Google had the A and this guy has the E. <laughs> yes, that's it. Sorry. Um, yeah, just one of those things. There's so many of them that just pop up out of nowhere and you end up signing uh, up quickly and stuff like that. I have know? a confession to make in that I actually paid for a year of app.net when that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a shame that didn't uh, take on because it had, I think, an interesting take. Uh, basically, a be- like what Twitter maybe first set out to be. Exactly. And the the whole point was, you know, charge for it and mm-hmm. it, it kind of runs like, but then unfortunately, after everyone's year expired, not enough people um, re-upped their subscription and it, it he just made the decision to, to kill it. Hmm. I think the six, one of the reasons I want this to success succeed is for me, this is... Blog is is a bit of an experiment. This guy is explicitly trying to create something that's decentralized and open, and so I'm interested to see. So it specifically isn't a sort of venture capital backed plan to disrupt the universe. Um, and I suppose if it's a if the world is just, I think it will succeed. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll will. set it up so you have someone to talk to anyway, Thomas. Ah, sound. Do you, do you know what? Actually, uh, this, this week I experimented. I posted the uh, our podcast episode on the Worst Case Scenario Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And then I just stayed logged in. It was really nice because that Twitter account only follows you, me and Dave. So, um, yeah, it was great. Should probably follow more people to be nice or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of uh, I, I like the three people it follows. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave doesn't post, so yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's all stuff from ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Hey, I complained about people not using their, their indicators. That was a good tweet, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> oh. Like that one. Yeah. They should ask uh, their Amazon Echo to buy them some indicators. <laughs> have we hit upon an agreed way ourselves to refer to the woman in this little cylinder yeah but like um, the, the thing is if you're listening to it and she's in the room um you know not to be setting off you know because this this has the potential now this topic as this topic course. did to you know to wreak havoc just call her herself. Herself. Herself over there. Yeah, herself in the box. Herself in herself the, in the kitchen at the moment anyway. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> she she might be far enough away anyway if I talk about her. Yeah, fair play. How you, any uh, update, Baz, your kind of second week with herself? No, it's still getting the, the light bulbs thing wrong, but I haven't had time to look at it. Yeah, it's <laughs> the light bulbs more than... Than, it, than the but, uh, it's It's nice having, the, having it in the kitchen and pairing it up and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's a, a good spot at the moment anyway. Cool. Dave, have you deployed the rest of your new bulbs? Um, one or two. I'm kind of at a loss of where to put them properly because, you know, again, some places um, they're really bright as well, which is, you know, a bit of a problem uh, at times if they if you reset them to the default um, by accident when you're switching them on. And I'm kind of thinking... Um, might uh, hold on to one or one as a spare anyway, just in case, and deploy the other two um, just on the, the landing, because then you could leave the landing light on dim um, and not interfere too much with, with the babies and such. Cool. And we have some light-related follow-up from this week. Oh, yeah? 
Uh, it's like, are, are we are we supposed to know when you <laughs> yeah, say but, these things oh, sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, thing that we're supposed to talk about. tried something that we discussed on the last episode. Excuse me? In the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So? I, inconclusive evidence at the moment that it's working for me because the first time I had on, so what we have on at the moment is um, the light comes on it, before we wake up in the morning or before we're due to wake up in the morning over a slow period of half an hour. Uh, the first night I had it on, I had nightmares. So I don't know if it was giving me nightmares or what, uh, but I've had it on since and I'll give it a bit more time and kind of maybe r- report back next week. But it seems that I'm waking up. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a, it's a tough week anyway because it is the fir- first week back at work. Body clock is all over the shop. So, um, I give it another week anyway, and I can report back if it's been beneficial yeah. to my morning wake-up routine. Yeah, I think I've had very good experience with it this week now. Um, so uh, last week was trying to, obviously, you know, you don't really want to be woken up at 7 o'clock by lights when you don't actually have to get out of bed. So that was a bit of a problem. Um, but now that back to work and everything, um, they come on at half six and slowly ramp up for uh, seven and the alarm goes off at seven then. So we're usually awake from the lights by around quarter to seven. And what is your, st- uh, so for the half an hour period, what is the start brightness and what is the end brightness? Uh, zero. So it's always, it's always 1% when you do the fade in. And uh, as far as I know, um, I haven't checked if there's other options and then it's 100% brightness set to daylight whoa 100% yeah I'm at 50% and that's pretty that's pretty bright for me Dave, Dave's got stuff to do I got stuff yeah. to do Thomas but you gotta you Dave gotta has... you gotta you know you can't be you can't half ass this thing like I mean it, it gotta has get to, up it has, yeah that's it you have to feel it like I mean I mean, like you know you, you need that that kind of like what is that it, and then you're, you're like oh it okay. does it's not too far off kind of natural light coming into my room when you know during the summer and stuff like that yeah and if it's a it's actually a good color it feels kind of very natural in the morning yeah um i immediately once i'm up i switch it back though to a dimmer light <laughs> yeah i'd i would what i would do is i've i've the the lamp and the ceiling light come on and then i would turn off the ceiling light and just have the the lamp on once i've actually woken up um so mm-hmm. both of them go on to uh hundred percent. So it works and it's very natural. It's gentle. Do you know, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. You don't, you're, you're already awake before the alarm goes off. It's, it's brilliant. And then since I've also wired up my slow cooker <laughs> to Alexa, she can have breakfast ready for me. Ooh. So how bad? What can you slow cook for breakfast? Just omelets, anything, literally. You, you just oh. put anything in that thing. It's magic. Um, so obviously we took down the Christmas tree, it not being Christmas anymore, and it met its sad demise in the back garden at the hands of a secateurs and a saw. But um, the plug that I was using for it, the Belkin Wemo, has now been repurposed to the slow cooker. And it's grand because it's a slow cooker that has the, the hardware switch. It's not, it doesn't need power to turn on or anything like that. And you can... The, the, and it's not really for use with Alexa, but, you know, um, you want to cook something for eight hours, but you have to leave at eight in the morning and you won't be back till six or seven. You know, that that's too long. So you can have it come on at 10 then using the app and it'll cook for the, the eight hours, which I think is amazing. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Because you can buy them, you can buy one um, with it built in. And there's an actual Belkin Wemo uh, or there's a, a Crock-Pot brand slow cooker with the Belkin Wemo Wi-Fi enabled built in. Um, and it's it's like $150 or something. So obviously... Sounds brilliant. Yeah, so obviously you can control the heat and all that sort of stuff from the app on the, the real Wemo one. All I have is on and off, but it's it's class. It's something that's um, an unexpected uh, kind of benefit to the smart smartness. It's useless with Alexa, really. Like, I mean, you know, turn on the slow cooker. Okay, come back in eight hours. You know, not something that requires voice control. My thing still hasn't arrived from China. Courier says it's in Ireland for the past week, but huh. mm. that was really Enjoy. quick. Did you pay for fast shipping or something? 
No, the cheapest. Um, unless uh, it's a Chinese courier, unless their website is uh, lying to me. But yeah, yeah, apparently it's been in uh, been in Ireland. Um, but they they use uh, I think the Dutch postal system to do their European deliveries. So could be. Yeah, last thing I ordered from them took about two weeks anyway. Hmm. Cool. So I can't wait to um, get get a. Yeah, I got my hands on that. That's my next project. So the uh this week anyway, there was the there was two news items um that involved the Amazon Echo. And one the first news item begot uh several more news items where uh, a child <laughs> ordered loads of presents for herself using the voice ordering on the Echo. Um literally said hey buy me this and the echo was like yeah no problem and then they just arrived at the door thing yeah you gotta be you gotta be pretty like you have to turn that thing on manually don't you i don't know i think it was turned on for me automatically but i think it's only if you have prime which i don't have so um okay and it probably and it probably only ships to uk addresses by voice you know because because we're out of the the loop here it's probably just probably doesn't work but i i stuck a pin on it anyway just in case i'd be worried about myself with that as well like let alone children (laughs) as as it is like again you know it it i've the the echo dot in the sitting room now and the tv sets it off a lot like a huge amount um just random random phrases i was yeah i've noticed that too again i was watching some program and there was some I don't know, some Russian guy called Alexei in it or something. And every time his name was said, the, the light pop up like, and then I can't, sorry, I don't understand the question that you're asking. <laughs> but that story was again reported on local news and on TV. And of course, the the news anchor in his infinite wisdom um, decided to say live on air the phrase that the child used to accidentally order the dollhouse and basically all of the the citizens in san diego who had amazon echoes near the tv ended up buying dollhouses <laughs> it's kind of a i feel lucky thing on google is it it just finds the first thing that matches it and buys it straight away yeah no i think there's if you i think it's it's kind of the thing like the dash button you know you order it and then you can go and check out the order before it gets dispatched later. Um, you know. So it gives you a time to do, but if you don't do anything, it just dispatches it. Yeah, as far as I understand. You can put a voice pin That's on pretty it good. as well. Um, and you can also just disable it full stop. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, I think it's it's just another level. Like, I mean... You, you've always had the children running rings around the parents with technology, but now this is a whole new interface. And, you know, I mean, the kid's just asking for what it wants. Like, there isn't even any barrier that the child has to run rings around the, the parent for. It's just, I want that. And, oh, okay, yeah, ordered. And that's, and that's <laughs> the end of it. Like, it's, it's amazing, you know? Terrifying. They should put in, like, keywords like, for I wish some kids are like, oh, I wish I had a Barbie doll. That yeah. would work too. So um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I had um, some uh, nephews down uh, over Christmas. And of course, Alexa and everything, they're all mad about her and whatever. Um, but didn't understand, understood them once they, once it was activated, but they, they couldn't trigger no matter how hard they tried. So where are they from? Ireland. That's all. That's all. That's all. That's all. Alexa <laughs> that's a, that's needs enough. to know. Like, do you know? Yeah. Well, herself. <clears throat> herself. Uh, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> At least we're not saying things after it that you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Pringles or whatever. So yeah, I think it's 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 very interesting, and I think that as the voice interfaces get more natural, it's you know. I think it's going to be a problem and these kind of restrictions like calling out a pin number that child would be able to you know that that that's not really 
a solution to that. Mm-hmm. Because like a kid's be like, okay, yeah, grand. Because you know, I remember myself and my brother as kids hacking the the password on the satellite, like um, the pin mm-hmm. number. Like, to see the boobs. Trying, oh, no, just to get the kids' channels. They were, everything was, oh, everything was okay. blocked off with a pin so that... So that we had to, we had to ask. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we, we got around that anyway. And to be fair, once we did that, that was the end of it. Like, you know, we were, we were tiny, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, well, you're just going to keep typing in. You literally typed in 9,999 9, combinations <laughs> to break the pin. You're just going to do it again. Yeah. And you have a lot of time because you're a child. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, calling out like, um, you know, enter your purchasing bin, one, two, three, four. Kid's going to pick up on that instantly and that's the end of it, you know. So mm-hmm. it'll stop accidental stuff like ordering from the TV announcer saying stuff. Um, Pied to 20 digits. Need something like that. Yeah, that's it. Some kind of touring test for people yeah. <laughs> doing the purchases. So... um. Have either of you taken the plunge and bought AirPods? Not yet. I, w- I, w- I want to meet someone who has them. I know a few people who have them, um, but I want to meet someone and I guess hold them and touch them and probably not use them because that's a bit manky, I think. Um, but yeah, get some kind of feedback from people. You, are you here's tempted the, at all? Here's the thing, like in Ireland, they're 180 quid. What? Yeah. Yep. Not cheap. No. By any stretch. God no. And I mean you could get yourself mm. a really decent pair of of headphones for that. Um Yeah. They might even have a a jack <laughs> on them. You could get Or even a a wire that connects them. That's it, but like you could actually get a DAC and a decent pair of headphones, you know, entry level, but I'm sure they'd have to be better than the the airpods everyone says they're magical though like if you look on reddit or look at anyone who has them they seem to be overwhelmingly positive about about them and i'm just like it's just a bluetooth headset or is it you know i've had relatively seamless experience with bluetooth stuff once they're paired you know and occasionally you get a device that needs to be paired every bloody time but other than that they're fairly yeah. Can they be that much more magical? Are people just not used to Bluetooth headphones then coming to them and being like, oh, this is amazing? I, th- I think it's the stuff like <clears throat> when you open the box, it pairs. When you put them in, or like when you take one out after they're being in, the music just stops and stuff like that. Mm, that's really nice now. I think it's th- th- those small little things that it does just work and yeah. you you pair once and forget about it. So I'm wondering... You know, with, with Siri and everything, um, I think that we maybe we think Apple missed a trick that they don't have a, a cylinder in the kitchen that you can talk to, okay? Or the, remember the iPod Hi-Fi? They yep. should bring that back and put Siri in it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we think they're missing a trick by not having a smart assistant like that. But if you think about it another way, they're after essentially because a built-in feature of the airpods is that you can wirelessly invoke siri and now instead of you know i suppose instead of having to talk to a cylinder in the room technically leave one of the earpods in and you have it everywhere you go in the house and you get to look like a hura as well <laughs> like a what <laughs> it's a character from star trek she had the oh. earpiece for the, the communications. Right. Not, not a whore, Thomas. This is why we don't get voice recognition for Ireland on these products. <laughs> so do you think there's any merit in that? Like, or do you think, would you go around, would you leave the earpod in? No. God, no. Yeah, yeah no. Not, a, <clears throat> not at all, no. So, what if you lost one of them? <laughs> That's it. So, um... The finder for AirPods was removed from the App Store by Apple this week. Not not yeah, long after I, it's making its debut. Did you download it at all to take a look? 
Nope. I figured it would do absolutely nothing since I don't, since I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I imagine it's like the tile app. Um, I have tiles and think Thomas has a tile, which is just a little, uh, yoke magic that you can attach to your keyring or put in your bag and your phone is constantly connected to it. So it updates its location. And then when you are apart from it, it can tell you its last known distance or last known location. Um, it can also ping it, but I doubt that this app could ping the headphones. Uh, so it looks like all it's doing is reading the power level off the Bluetooth signal on the okay. on the headphone and keeping a track of that so that if it does lose the Bluetooth signal, that it, it puts a marker down. But I don't think there's any any two-way. You could always just play audio out of it and turn it up real loud and <laughs> listen. Uh, okay. So it's basically checking all Bluetooth devices in the location. It knows which one is the ID for the AirPods. And it probably lists that one. That's then. it. So j- just in case, uh, I know someone was recommending this is an app I use in work. A good bit. Oh God. Uh, light, light blue, um, which is an app that will give you all BLE devices in your location and the power and stuff like that. So that is something. If you do lose your headset or head, headphones, um, download that app. It's quite useful. But uh, yeah, Apple decided to remove it though. Like the bollocks is there. Yeah. So the <laughs> reasoning. Um, according to the post on Reddit by the, the guy who made it, um, they didn't like the concept of people finding their AirPods and hence was deemed yeah. not appropriate for the App Store. So they're okay with people losing it. <laughs> if you read, the, you know, if you if you take that that statement literally. So I don't know what, like, I get it. They don't want, if this finder for AirPods becomes really popular, it's just going to cement in people's heads that AirPods are things that you lose and they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. And then people will be like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy that. You know, the thing that that really gets me though is the amount of polish that the guy put into the app. Um, like I watched a video of it when it launched, and that's it's gorgeous. You know, the the AirPods pop out and everything, and you know, he just he he, it very simple looking, but you know, it's it it looked to me just from the video anyway that it's something that Apple could have designed. So of course, everyone's saying like, oh, this will be a feature in ten point three. Um. Yeah, that's it. So other people were like, is it a trademark that they're using the name AirPods? Um, and someone's like, well, he asked to clarify that. And they were just like, no, we don't like the concept of the app. So even when suggestions were change the name of it to Super Duper EarPod Finder or whatever it was going to be, uh, you, no one would be able to search for it or it wouldn't be searchable. Um the code is out there, I believe, on GitHub, or the project is up on GitHub. Um, so if you do have a developer account, you can download it and install it yourself and build it and run it yourself. Oh, that's that's a silver lining anyway. I didn't see that. Yeah, I think so. I could be wrong, but I'll try and find it. Um, might be good to even, you know, just go in and check out the code anyway. Yeah, that's an open source alternative, it. apparently. Oh right! If it's if it's the one linked in the the Reddit thread anyway, that's that's a, an ah, alternative. Okay. But look, it still does the job. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just reading as well the feature list, the Finder for AirPods will alert you straight away if you leave them behind you. So if you walk out the door and leave your AirPods, it'll it'll ping you straight away once it loses the connection. So nice little features, you know. What about you, Dave? Are you tempted? Uh I I 80 quid maybe. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. That's about it. I can't believe that other like headphone manufacturers cuz you guys ever tried playing with uh Bluetooth low energy stuff like the Bluetooth 4 stuff. Um in my experience that seems super reliable. Yeah, especially uh BLE 4.2. Okay. Like it's so just getting more and more reliable, you know. I, I, I know Bluetooth pairing is done on a system basis, like the, the Bluetooth audio, the Bluetooth 2.0 stuff. But um, like, I, I just don't understand. Obviously, the Apple solution is proprietary, but surely there's some way of like getting the BLE to do the initial discovery or the repairing or something. 
I don't know. Hmm. Let's play around with it a bit more. See that stuff then. It just seems weird that like the Bluetooth we know for audio stuff can be flaky, yet the Bluetooth 4 stuff, the low energy stuff, seems relatively good by comparison. Dave, you had a, a link about the a piece from the developer, the Reddit Enhancement Suite. Apple unified all the developer programs and they're charging the $100 to release an extension and it has to go through the approval stages and everything like that. And basically the res developer said um, that he's weighing up the options and the two options are stop development or basically spend the time putting it together and charging for it. Neither of which are great options. It seems a bit mean to charge, like given the sorry state of Safari extensions, seems a bit mean to be charging a hundred, right? I should be paying you a hundred every time you submit one. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Seriously, like it's it's abysmal. Like they and the even finding stuff on it, like it's completely unusable. Um from a you know, it's very unapple. Well, no, it's perfectly Apple, but it's just crap, you know, and this... Because I, I, I saw a lot of people in the comments kind of saying that they were going to start using Chrome and stuff like that, or like, you know, just use Chrome anyway, and it's like, no one wants to use Chrome on Mac because it's crap. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a resource hog, but for something as good as Res, it'd be kind yeah. of tempted to go over. Now it supports yeah, Firefox, it... Chrome, uh, Safari for now, Opera, and Microsoft Edge. Wow. But here's the the real contrast. Um, Microsoft flew the developer out for a few days to help them get Res working on Edge. Wow. Which I think shows real real contrast and dedication to Microsoft to, okay, look, you're coming from a losing position, but, you know. Um, Somebody posted a screenshot the other day, apparently... uh, this guy's running Windows 10 and is browsing the web. And this little notification came up from the, I guess, the taskbar, whatever the bottom right yoke is called, saying, uh, if you switch to Edge from Firefox, you'll see 50% extra performance or something. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. Microsoft. Oh, wow. Probably true, though, because Edge does literally nothing. You know, <laughs> Edge is kind of like... Um, when Chrome came out at the start and it had nothing, you know, it's literally just tabs, um, use it at work. It's okay. And something that, uh, in the, the browser space as well, that happened, um, uh, Google released Chrome that can be rolled out internally in our organizations. So until now you installed Chrome, it did the auto update, big pain point for, um, organizations who want control of the software that's put on the machines and they actually released the version of it now for for uh active directory and for deployment across across organizations so that they can actually manage chrome as opposed to just be subjected to it but it does give the ability to block updates to chrome as well which you know could be could be detrimental hard to know what's worse mm. So, Thomas, do you have an announcement to make? <laughs> News. News. Um, yeah, I kind of thought it might be, I wanted to kind of talk about it on the podcast first, um, partly because I'm not 100% sure um, what's going to happen over the next kind of few months. But basically, between recording this episode and putting the episode out, I will have written to all uh, my customers, that is the customers of Reg Point of Sale, and told them that I'm shutting down the business. So, big, big news. Huge news. Yeah. So, um, sort of short potted history. I started just under five years ago. Um, bootstrapped didn't take in any investment so i mean just i guess to clarify 
I'm shutting down the business. The business doesn't owe anybody any money apart from me. Um, and I haven't put a huge amount of money into the business. So in terms of, uh, I, I guess, kind of, this isn't a, a sort of a thing blowing up. Um, I'll be writing to all my customers, but um, basically the, the only change for them will be in terms of support, which nobody was paying for anyway. Um, their app will continue to work. And um, to be honest, I, like, I, I haven't got a single support call this month, for example. Um, so uh, support costs were, were fairly minimal anyway. So uh, yeah, anyway, going to move on to bigger and better things, hopefully. So how long have you been, like when did this company start then? Yeah, so I kind of started just under five years ago. I registered the company four and a half years ago. Um, oh, We launched our app. So what I was doing was I was selling, I just to explain to people, I guess, just in case. Um, so RegPoint to say is basically an iPad-based um, cash register. Um used by a uh, hundred uh, independent retailers, mostly in Ireland. Um, so the package is the app and it communicates to hardware, uh, a receipt printer and a cash drawer. Um, so, sorry, yeah, so I started out selling somebody else's app while I developed my own and then launched my own app uh, two and a half years ago. Um, and that's what I've been selling ever since. It's a very good app. Do you know, it's a funny thing. And I guess I've been thinking about lessons learned. And one of the things I do believe in business is that for really successful business, you need to have some, I think, some productive tension between product, which often means sort of engineering and business. And I think one of the reasons why I wasn't able to keep going was that I'm a nerd. I wanted to build a good product. I believe I did do that, but there wasn't enough tension um, with the business side of things. Um, that In terms of marketing and sales? Marketing and sales, but also like how, even how the product worked. Like I was, for example, I, for a whole, I was very resistant to, uh, implementing any sort of subscription service um partly because i nature app it, it gets used all the time and I, any sort of dependence on external servers i felt would introduce an unacceptable risk uh in terms of unreliability whereas i think you know the hard-headed business reason business sort of um approach would have been not make it cloud-based because that's where you've got kind of lock-in and uh, you're getting a, a regular stream of revenue. So yeah, so it's just an interesting thing. I, I'm i not a business person, I think, at heart. Um, one of the reasons I took the decision to shut it down was that I kind of decided I didn't, I didn't want to run my own business anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the way if you guys are working on a problem and you get distracted and then it kind of like it takes you two hours maybe to get back into the flow again. Like often all of my days were like that. Often the only time I could actually get any programming done was on the weekend because, you know, the phone would be going off all the time. Or I'd have 101 things to worry about, like filing accounts or, you know, other administrative type things. Which is sort of, the, I think, those sort of things are the enemy of getting productive work done. Big time, yeah. yeah. There's too many factors to be de like dealing with yourself without completely crashing and burning. So, happy with overall the success over the years? Like, what yeah. are the main points to take away that, you know, you felt I, really I, proud of? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't feel negative now. Like I don't feel bad about it. It's just, it, it's time for me to move on. Um, I don't feel a sense of failure um, over it. Um, few takeaways. I hired a designer. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically I hired a designer and a developer to help me get the app out. So essentially that was kind of what well, you could say, 
it was 50% of the external resources I brought in was spent on design. That was definitely a good thing. Um, I was really lucky, I guess, with the designer I hired um, because... It doesn't look like one of the tales you see inside in a pub. Yeah, and I guess I was really lucky to work with a designer who understood about usability and how things worked. And um, that definitely sort of just made the product really good. um, And they did it in a really restrained way. Uh, They designed the app in a, yeah, very restrained way. So, So that's definitely something like I think if you're launching any software product i do think like design proper design not kind of like making things look nice but actually proper making your thing work well in a thoughtful way so ux versus ui Um, i suppose yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. definitely i think was a huge uh differentiator for us um like we get this amazing customer feedback like people telling me like Oh, I cry when I think of my old system. This is just like the best thing I've ever used. It's so simple, you know, all the things that I wanted to hear. So, yeah, that was really good. Um, We thought a lot about our users um, and our users and our customers weren't always the same people. So for um, our slightly bigger customers, um, the the owner, the person who's making the purchasing decision mightn't have been the person on the floor every day with the small places they would, but not the big places. Um, and yeah, I think that really shone through. As I said, I'm really happy with what we did on the product side and all the failings are on the business side. So, mm. don't know. It's also, it's a difficult, I was in a difficult market selling to independent retailers. I know <clears throat> I've read a few profiles of Jack Dorsey. Um that sort of described the significant difficulty Square have had in the US um, and why it took them a very long time to become profitable was partly because the the it's a difficult user base to serve, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, just the business side. <laughs> and we got the podcast out of it anyway. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And would would you ever come up with a new idea again and go into business again on an app? (laughs) I'm not sure I'd do it as a solo person. Um, I have to say, though, I do have a weakness for business to business apps, I guess. Or put it another way, developing apps that help people do their job. So I'm not sure that'll ever go away. Um, it's more, but... more a fetish than a weakness, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're you're working on an app at the moment as a side project. I don't know what you want to talk about. It's, yes, it's for a friend of yours. And yeah, it's it's more of a he he would like a nap, and you're like, sure, do you know what? I'll make it, and I'll see. Can I do it? And I'll learn a few tricks along the way. At the end of it, when it is eventually completed, and you give it to him, will you just pop it up on the store as well? Or yeah, we just go. Eh. We haven't made a, a final decision about it. Although significantly, I suppose it is an app that I'm developing with somebody else, which really makes a difference. I think. Um, yeah, it, yeah. So that box is ticked. Um, I I think yeah, probably will go along the lines you're talking about, but it will be I think a word snap type endeavor. You, you know, keep it on the, the long finger kind of thing. Well, just Labor the way love. you were talking the last episode in terms of, like, you don't have massive expectations about it. No. Um, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, maybe put up sale or whatever. So rather unusually, we have a our kind of competitor, I think, charges something like 80 quid for their apps. No way. <laughs> it's kind of nice to... Uh, stumble on these markets where like ooh, you could actually make a little bit of money yeah and it could, 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 on the other side then as well you have an expensive app because you, you just put up in the app store for like 20 quid and disrupt the till market yeah i thought of that kind of like a drop in the mic um 
Ooh. The real secret sauce. You really wasn't. could do that. For like a yeah. hundred quid, you could definitely put that up there and people could take a risk on it. I guess the reason uh, yeah, it's an interesting point, and maybe I might kind of do that. The the challenge is always the hardware setup. Um right, yes. I, I guess point of sale hardware is designed to be set up by prof- uh I guess technicians, not necessarily end users. So even though it's a printer, there's no kind of bonjour thing or yeah. I did kind of develop one uh a setup app but I, I kind of abandoned so maybe yeah maybe I will maybe I'll just lash it up there and see uh, mm. but uh I bet you get <laughs> I bet you uh, um the, if, if people are paying 20 euros I bet you I'll get far more support requests than I did that's that's uh, a whole sort of thing yeah I have, but you charge 100 <laughs> euro for support then oh, there you go invert your pricing <laughs> but by the end of this you'll be like I'm doing this again yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when there's no more, there's no more fucks to give, kind of thing. Um, but you've learned, I guess, to be an iPhone and uh, an iOS developer. iPad developer out of it. Yeah. Um, and if anything, if nothing else, you know, that's a career for life there that you could have being an iPhone developer. Career for life, a career for, you know. Until Next the app market years. falls out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can't tell the bottom falls out of the app market. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Better polish up on my J2ME certifications. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm, I mean, uh, being honest, this, is a, this isn't a decision that came out of the blue. Um, I think I was struggling a bit with the whole business thing for quite a while. Um uh, I guess it's tough when all, all I wanted to do every day was program and programming was the last thing the business needed. So mm. literally like if I wasn't the owner of the company, I would have fired myself because my skills were no longer relevant to what the company needed. Um, and it, it's really difficult when you're supposed to be doing one thing, but you really want to do another thing. Like often you just end up doing not very much because like well, I just want to do more programming. Um, I don't want to. I don't know. Tweet something banal, or you know, do the million other things that I should have done with kind of marketing and sales and stuff, and didn't. Um, so, uh, yeah. Look, it was an interesting uh, experiment. Made a bit of money. Um, I don't regret. Oh, another thing. I don't regret not taking investors, even though that would have made things an order of magnitude easier. Um, if I had even a small bit of investment and, you know, I could have gone down that route. I could, have, I could have invested in the areas that I felt I wasn't very good at, uh, like sales, like marketing. Um, but I'm so glad I didn't, I, I just want to do things my way. I guess, I, you know, I'm stubborn and, I'd really, I really, I really definite ideas and how things uh, should be done. And even if I'm not right, uh, as maybe uh, is the case in this case, I, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't sell out to a more ambitious dream. I guess you could sell it now to the highest bidder. Yeah, I've had a few discussions. <laughs> uh, nothing concrete, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something I'm. I'm not closing the door on either, I guess. Mm-hmm. I need cheering up. Tell Let's me about some nice stuff, lads. Oh, so yeah. Things that are things that are making us happy. So, cheer up, Thomas. Cheer me up. <laughs> Fuckers. Just tumbleweed in my head. <laughs> T- tumbleweeds make me happy if you're watching videos of them online doing their tumbling thing. Um... I don't even remember what I did all week long. No, you worked on WordSnap as well. So. I, d- I did work on Words. Like, WordSnap this week was really boring because I was doing... I was looking at allocations constantly. And I'm going to force you guys to look at them. And then... <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, it'd be good if we could have, like, a programming hour or two or something online, you know, uh, and look through that stuff. But, um, I don't know. We have our iOS developer meetup on Saturday. Um... And myself and Thomas are presenting again, so I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, 
and it's really funny because I'm showing off container views and UI container views and how to use them and why I think they're the best thing ever. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to sharing that with people. Um, I guess a lot of these things I go to, you know, I kind of know lots of bits and pieces. It's nice sometimes to share what you know as well. Um, I think that could be fun and hopefully people have aha moments and then they go away and make less shit apps. <laughs> Bringing wisdom to the masses. So you, yeah. you have a pretty good uh, handle on what you're going to present then. I don't know. Probably it's, it's, I, I have, I can kind of, um, I think I'm going to lead with reasons why they're good and this will make your life easier. I know you can, we're all going to make shit apps constantly, um, but, you know, something that can make, make making apps easier in the future, especially when you run into bugs and stuff like this. Um, it's, but I basically, I suppose the reason is I'm going to help people reduce massive view controllers, which is a big problem in iOS where you write too much code on in one class. So I'm hoping, you know, the way I'm doing it with container views, you're splitting out your code into uh, different view controllers. Because I guess a lot of people are talking about <clears throat> MMVC and what was the other one Mike was talking about the last day? MVP? Or I can't yes. remember what it was. And then it's like, okay, there's no... Like no one has said definitively that these things are good or that they work in all cases. But I have found without a doubt that UI container views uh, make life a lot easier programming. Um, Especially with WordSnap. It's been a huge help in WordSnap. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing that again on Saturday. (laughs) My presentation was going to be about building a Mac, Mac app, but I, I might just change it to why why Baz Taylor should use self dot. Oh. Okay, convince me. <laughs> Christ. Self dot for initialization. <laughs> underscore for everything else. <laughs> Warts on your variables. You need to go on after um, him anyway, Thomas, definitely. Keep him in suspense as to what your talk is going to be about exactly. in the last minute. So I did, I think I talked about or it in this. I'll just talk for two hours and by the time it's Thomas' <laughs> go, we have to leave. So yeah, points. Sorry, Thomas, no time for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so my talk's going to be on making a Mac app. Uh, I think I talked about this in the podcast before. I Because uh, I'm opinionated, I wanted to write, I, I wanted an app to record all my support calls and didn't like any of the ones that were there. So I decided I was going to write a Mac app. Mm. It's not very good, though. I had a look at it because it's one of those things I just wrote for myself. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think it, I think it's nice that, you know, you can show people how much of their knowledge of iOS development can be used, I guess. Yes. In, yes. And what are the differences? Uh, what, yeah. What's harder, I guess? What's easier? Table views are different, right? Yes, because you've columns. No. It's a bit like um, collection views. No, I, as in like a cell has multiple columns. Right. Yes. You can click on and stuff. But yeah, no, it's so sim- similar. Um, yeah, and actually, interface builder is way cooler for the Mac. No way. You do lots of mad stuff like apply Gaussian blurs and views and stuff. I was just looking at that the other day. Ooh. It's mad. You can do that in iOS. Can you? It's oh, not hip probably. enough. UI visual effects. What's it? I'm on it here. Uh, oh, but this is just for anything. I can literally oh. click on anything in Interface Builder and click blur and it'll Ooh. just blur it. Oh, um, like for like the the status bars in there or whatever they're called at the top of a view controller or something. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, have a go at that. Even though nobody seems to be bothered writing on Mac apps before, looking at you, Spotify and Slack and Apple Messages and Mac App Store. But, uh, yeah, just be me. Is iMessage in uh, HTML? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's that's how they can play GIFs, is it? Uh, <laughs> the, there was an exploit on it, uh, of messages on the Mac. It's arbitrarily uh, executed JavaScript. JavaScript, yeah. Yeah. I heard there's another exploit this week with uh, sharing a contact card. Uh, supposedly contact cards are only allowed to have like 300 uh, character limits. Someone managed to create one with like 14,000. Oh, wow. If someone shares with you, your 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 phone goes a bit nuts. Because I think it just crashes basically trying to open it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 
And you know where I found out about that? You won't believe it. Where? Snapchat. Snapchat has like... Oh, the news It's stuff? like a tabloid newspaper. Yeah. And there's tons of things. And like it must know you're an iPhone because every single day there's either giving out about Apple to click on it or, you know, Apple news on it. So sometimes I get some of my Apple news from Snapchat, which uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Secret safe for those bass. Sound. <laughs> I am... Um... Did Dave say anything? Well, no. Or, well, was was that making you happy? I'm not sure. Like, I was like... <laughs> kind of, like did, 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 <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't sound like it made you happy. So I was like, I'll, I'll let him finish. But, uh, you know, if... It's January blues, you yeah. know? Well, sure. I'll I'll give you something to, to stick in your ears, at least. Um, uh, so this podcast started back in September, but I only got a chance to actually listen to it and catch up to it over Christmas. And it's a new NPR podcast called How I Built This. And to read the blurb, it's a podcast about innovators, entrepreneurs and idealists and the story behind the movement they built. So basically, it's a very... Um, can, um, I suppose, to the point interview. They're all around half an hour, 40 minutes at the most of how these people actually built their companies. So there's um, a bit of everything. It's not all tech. There's interviews with, um, you know, Mark Cuban, uh, the guys from Southwest Airlines, um, Airbnb, uh, Instagram, you know, there's all these different stories and it's very to the point. There's a lot of information. They're very dense and they're, they've been very enjoyable. So it's uh, hosted by Guy Raz and uh, you can find that on the podcast thingy of your choice. I thought when you started that, you were going to talk, you were talking about this podcast. <laughs> You're going to see how class our podcast is, but no. <laughs> been listening to it in the kitchen, yeah. Baz, did you notice how sensitive Dave was there, um, you know, after me talking about, you know, business not going so well and Dave's talking about a podcast full of uh, successful business people. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for rubbing in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. Just kick you when you're down, Thomas. You're, I would, I had this picked out beforehand, you know. I don't just show up and be all like, yeah, this is what's making me happy. You know, I, I think I plan, you know. <laughs> it also like wouldn't really fit with the, I guess, the founding premise of the podcast and certainly the name. If I, I came on and said, oh, I've just had a million dollar investment to disrupt the industry, blah, blah, blah. That's not really who we are, right? I don't know. <laughs> Can't give me a million dollars and I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. But, you know, um, I think to, to close it off, I think you've been very successful at the part that you wanted to be successful at, if you know what I mean. Um, the the engineering side of it. Um you know, it's fantastic. It's clean. You don't get support calls, um, you know, and I get it. Like, I don't like the, the business side of things either at all. Um, and it is nice to to have something that, you know, that you have achieved and that's not, you know, you're not, you're not going bankrupt. You're not, you know liquidating <laughs> liquidating things or, or winding up owing investors hundreds of thousands Do you know by all accounts it's a, it's a success and you've very happy customers you were in one of ireland's top 100 hottest startups last year you know don't don't forget that um and uh i just think that it's been uh it's been great kind of seen the process over the last over the last few years of how you've how you've been going with it and it, yeah. it is sad to see it come to an end <laughs> yeah so do you want my happy then yeah go on mm-hmm. uh i feel a bit guilty because i'm kind of nicking this from baz uh, <laughs> uh or at least baz you originally sent this round um but you had two, you've had two episodes to mention it and you didn't. So I'm going to rub it off you. It's a game. It's called Human Resource Machine. Oh, uh, yes. And we were all playing it uh, a bit over Christmas. Um, 
it's super clever. It's great. And I almost hesitate to sort of talk about one of the reasons why it's great, because it, I think it makes it sound not very interesting um, when like to non-programmers, I guess. Um, but I think it's super interesting. So um, you're basically issuing instructions for a little man um, who takes things from one conveyor belt and puts them in another according to instructions. Um, and yeah, it's just super fun. And I was doing it and I, I don't know that much, well, hardly any assembly programming. Um, but Dave, I texted you and said, this feels like it's sort of quite similar to assembly pro- uh, language. And Dave, you texted back and said, yeah, pretty much. It's that that's what the game is. Um, so yeah. Yeah, very much. Cool. And mm. it is very clever. And if you're like me, I have to do all of the optimization challenges. I can't move on from the level until I've until I've <laughs> until I've gotten the two the two two lights. Baz, did you do any of the optimizations, or am I the only bad person here? No. So okay, I actually have it. Oh, flip. How do I get back out? Um, I've only played up to. I've gotten fourteen of them done. So okay. I'm missing two speeds. Sorry. Two speeds and on the 14th one, actually the last one I did, I didn't get either the size or the speed. But uh, otherwise, I've done all the optimizations and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. So actually, well, uh, well, most of them. I've skipped it for a couple. I, w- <clears throat> I think the thing is, you can't, in some of them, you can't get speed Both. and optimization from the same solution. So you have to have the two solutions separately. Yeah, um, I think so. And is that correct? It is, yeah. And the thing to notice as well is, which I didn't notice for a while, there's tabs at the top, so you can have three different oh, yeah, programs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's there's the copy and paste thing, you know that. So like one solution, one puzzle could be uh, an extension of the previous puzzle, so you can copy the previous puzzle and paste uh, it into the next puzzle, and then you can use that as a basis then to work on. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Two squids on the App Store. Really recommended it. Um, yeah. I say it's class on the iPad. It is. It's, it's small it's enough really nice. on the iPhone. You got to turn yeah. it sideways and do all this stuff. I think it's on the PC as well, and it's and, and the Mac. Um, yeah, it's quite so good. these guys made World of Goo, which is fantastic as well. Did they? The it's the same company. Same guys, and they made that game, uh, the Burning Game. What was it? Oh yeah. Oh, there's there was a game you had to burn stuff. Very similar graphics, really, really dark storyline to it. They've all had these really dark, sinister stories. Here, <laughs> kind of like they're in this weird world. Um, Little Inferno. Little Inferno. Good. That's a good game as well. Yeah. It's not as challenging as this because you're literally burning stuff. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's fun. So I actually think that they are only some of the people from world of goo or something so right, okay. the, it's not listed under the the design the, aesthetics yeah. are, are close they're very similar kind of mm. thing so i just one guy actually if you want a really fun weird game <laughs> what is the name of this one again oh oh yeah it's called uh hidden my game by mom uh <laughs> It's it's like a really quick escape the room game um, with like 30 different levels where it's very, very, very Japanese where a boy, uh, his mom keeps hiding his Nintendo DS on him and you need to figure out how to find it in each of these challenges. And it's super weird, super fun. Um, definitely worth playing. So like uh, sometimes you might like... F- you might be searching through a couch and you'll find a wallet and out of nowhere the police come along and arrest you. Because <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Brilliant. Did you guys download that at all? No, not yet. It's on the list. No. Pop Definitely. a link up and I'll uh, yeah. have a look. Yeah, I got the the EA or the, I don't know what it is, the Lara Croft Go, Hitman Go, Deus Ex Go um, mm. bundle because it actually, I bought... Lara Croft go ages ago and the bundle was actually free because the price had dropped so much so I like that about the the bundles and I just clicked on it and I got the other two games in so oh I didn't know that yeah then they're they're actually really good games 
Um, so they are so really, far, yeah, like they're really brilliant. polished. They're really, they're really fantastic, and they the progress syncs between the Apple TV and the iPhone, and they're they're lovely on the Apple TV. Really nice, and especially they're the kind of game that you can kind of two or three people can play and be shouting how to do the solution and stuff. You know, they're not action games. They're they're um, puzzle games. Turn you know? based. Yeah. So you can be like, no, drag that there, try that. Okay, no, jump down there, you know. Um, <laughs> the And again, it's one of those games where you can have optimal solutions and stuff like that, where you collect everything on stage because I guess sometimes the level changes as you move through it. Yeah. So you might not be able to go down certain routes after you've gone down them once and stuff like that. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We didn't talk about CES at all. Who? Bravo. What? Huh? <laughs> TVs and fridges, lads. Uh, TVs oh, yeah. and fridges. Appliances delivered. Did I? Never heard that. What you're talking about? <laughs> you listen to the radio more. Oh, you will. Oh, you will. 